Hello, and welcome to Centre Stage, the podcast of the International Centre for Women Playwrights, a virtual non-profit organisation dedicated to supporting women playwrights around the world. This series celebrates the work of members by showcasing excerpts of their work, followed by an interview where we can hear about their ideas and sometimes their process. I'm Jenny Monday, and in the lead up to International Women's Week, International Women's Day and Swan Day, I'm interviewing Paddy Gillard-Bentley from Kitchener, Ontario in Canada. Paddy is a long-standing member of the organisation and also a former president of the Board of Trustees. She has a company called Flush Inc. Productions and she is planning a She Speaks event to coincide with all the women's celebrations happening in March. You can find news about the event by searching for She Speaks and Flush Inc., where you'll find a web list of all those whose work will be read and performed. To begin with, we have Paddy reading the beginning of her play, Accidental Fish, subtitled Coping with Life Badly, which Paddy wrote back in 2018. Paddy's work is copyright, and if you're interested in performing this or any other of Paddy's plays, you can contact her through womenplaywrights.org or the Facebook page for Flush Inc. Here is Paddy reading the beginning of her play. The reflected lights from the emergency vehicles lit up my bedroom like a disco. I crawled from under my blankets, but they'd already taken him away. He probably didn't fight too hard to live in his charred body. I found out later he was from Somalia. He couldn't speak English. I'd seen him at the 7-Eleven. His skin was beautiful, shiny and black. Dying that way probably wasn't as easy as he thought it would be. I don't know his name but I have tiny fragments of his life that suspend him in my mind while he was in his darkest moment. Is that enough to remember his story? That's why you write things down, Vanessa. I write almost everything down. I need to remember. The Somali fireman was three years ago, but I still think of him. My writing has become a little disjointed since then. I'm not sure why. Sometimes when I read from it, I don't even get it. I found this dress in the retro shop on the corner of King and Princess. Well, not right on the corner, but close enough. I usually wear black. Most of my clothes are black. Most of my accessories are black. I don't remember when I went from mostly pink to mostly black. I would wear another color if they invented a darker one than black. For this occasion, wearing black would seriously diminish the dramatic effect. I think the brilliant crimson of my blood will be a spectacular contrast to the color of the dress. I will be discovered, draped over this bed, just like Greta Garbo. Staring like there's no tomorrow. 
which there won't be. I've never done it this way before. I prefer pills, tidier somehow. I always count them. It helps to calm the nerves. That and a few tumblers of scotch. Once I counted 42. Pills, not tumblers of scotch. Life, the universe, nothing. My mind wants to die, but my body is not on the same page. Do you think you can take so many pills every day that your body becomes immune? Jenna told me once, if she did to her body what I did to mine, she'd be dead in a week. God, I wish I were Jenna. I've expanded my horizons. I've read up on it. Research. By seeking and blundering, we learn. Someone famous said that. And I can't remember who. Couldn't have been that famous. Thing is, when you research suicide, it's written by people who failed. Some interesting, dramatic irony in that. Whoever finds me is going to be stunned. It would make a really cool painting. Oh, a bit like Fuseli's The Nightmare, only without the incubus. Charlotte Corday a crazy woman who killed Jean-Paul Marat, refused the ministrations of a priest before death. Instead, she asked that an artist paint her portrait. She said something like, people are always curious about that kind of thing. Her payment to him was a lock of her hair. How fucking exotic is that? I should have come up with something that memorable. Oh, my journals will have to do. This time I vetoed the pills. Dignity. I'm sure as hell not going to be found naked on the toilet like Judy Garland, that's for sure. Jenna loves Judy Garland. She can't even talk about the toilet thing. Or Lenny Bruce, I think he died that way too, and Elvis. The king met his maker sitting on his white porcelain throne. Chitty way to check out. Now we have a short interview with Paddy, and I started with the question, what happens next in the play? Well, there was an interesting question, because um, I based the play on a friend of mine, I wrote the play when she was still alive, so it just sat on the shelf. Um, she knew I wrote it. She never asked to read it. And, and uh, in 2010, she did take her life. Uh, I, uh, I wanted the audience to feel the same way she did as much as I could do. And so... I can tell you what happens, but by the end of the play, you're not sure. Um, I wanted people to feel her. Um, this was a girl who was uh, addicted to um, 
alcohol, smoked three packages of Peter Jackson a day, drank 33 cups of coffee. She um, took eight different medications a day, which I remembered for some ridiculous reason because I don't know medications at all, um, and had a sort of cornucopia of pharmaceuticals at her disposal, and, um, and also did recreational drugs. <clears throat> um, if I had done what she did for a week, I would be dead, but her body somehow got used to it. So at the end of that scene, she does try to uh, take her life. And then we move into the asylum where I, I think as the audience, um, there was a lot of, of feedback uh, on this. You don't know... In the whole rest of the play, you don't know whether uh, it's true or a lie or she's hallucinating or she's delirious or she's suffering from mental illness or a combination thereof. So it gets very abstract uh, from there and um, it only recovers at the very end. And in, with your intention with this play, was it to show that kind of life style that, you know, perhaps for someone like you or I, or not you, you, you could see this person, you knew them, but um, as a general thing, sometimes those lifestyles are hidden from us? Yeah, I, I think I was... Um, she had spent uh, eight weeks in a a special place for uh, addicts and mental illness. And um, so I was I was aware of that, the, the anxiety, the depression. Um, she would call me when she was suicidal. She would never say, hi, it's me, I'm suicidal. But I knew by the tone of her voice and what she was talking about. And I had to keep her on the phone until she laughed. And it didn't matter how long it took. When she laughed, I knew she was over that hump. I guess for someone like me that's never been in those kinds of dark places, um, I try to understand why somebody is like that and how they justify leaving everybody behind so messed up by their decision. And I remember talking to her one day and she said, when you are at that point when you're wanting to take your life, when you think that nothing is going to be so much better than everything in your life, you don't think that your passing will touch anyone. You don't think that it will cause a ripple. You don't think anyone will miss you. And that's something that she taught me that I would not have known because I think I was very judgmental about the selfishness of suicide and, and how you leave people messed up. But um, she taught me that, she taught me something I couldn't know by myself. And so I added in sort of an abstract, crazy way, um, her mother through the entire play is doing crossword puzzles because this girl had exhibited signs of suicide at like I think she said the first time she tried was when they bought her brother home from the hospital she was four 
and her mother just checked out. And um, the the worry I had of her reading the play was not that she would hate it or hate how I portrayed her, because actually she's kind of enduring. She would have been mad at me about how I portrayed her mother, because although she forgave her mother, I didn't. She also had a grandfather that made her a woman at 10 years old. And so um, I made sure in the play that when the play is produced, that the same person that plays the doctor in the asylum is her grandfather, and the same person that plays the nurse is her mother. And it wasn't for economy of roles. It was, um, in my mind, how she saw them, how she saw those figures. Does that make sense? Yes. Thanks. Thanks for that explanation, Patty. Um, it's a really interesting play. Um, and I know that if people are interested in reading some more or uh, hearing more about it, that they can contact you through Flush Inc. or through the ICWP um, homepage. Um, during March, there's going to be quite a few activities going on. Um, I, th I think I've heard that it's Women's Month as well as Women's Day, um, Women's Swan Day. Um, it's a great time for we women if it's only one month. But um, I know that you're planning your She Speaks event, which I've had the privilege of um, being part of a couple of times. So can you tell me a little bit about how your She Speaks event um, came about in the first place? Well, I believe... Um it was when I was president by CWP, and um, I think you were there then. And we made um, we made grants available to theater companies so they could produce um, readings of women's work. When we started in North America, sixteen uh, percent of the plays produced in theaters were written by women. And, well, we pushed that number up to a grand total of 22%. But um, that was what started us doing that. And um, I don't, um, I, that was in 2000, actually, yeah, that was in 2007. And we've done it every year since. And we've done, we've done a joint um, She Speaks With You We've done one with uh, a theater company in Paris. Um, the year we did, um, I believe it was you in Australia and uh, Kathleen in um, North Dakota. Yes. And that was when we weren't as good at technology <laughs> and we were trying to Skype around. Oh, it was, it was complicated. This year, we're partnering with Neruda Arts. Uh, it's a music presenter. And so on the Sunday, um, we're doing this show. We I always pick places that are unusual for readings, just because it it it, it engages a different kind of audience. So um, our first Saturday is at a, a church that does all kinds of wonderful events and music, and the second day is um, at a tennis club. And so after the readings and after the feedback. There's going to be a concert with a local woman named Sarah Rose, and um, we're really excited about that. And all the money, the proceeds from 
the donations at the door will go to the Sexual Assault Crisis Center of Waterloo Region. And I know that they're still backed up from, from the Me Too. In 2018, we did She Speaks Me Too. And so every piece was based on Me Too. And um, it was the probably the best one we had. Uh, there were so many shorter pieces in it that we just had all kinds of women involved. And the second half was all monologues, so I set it like a pajama party. Not like a guy's version of a pajama party where they're all having pillow fights and giggling, but everybody in really comfy pajamas so that when they read their piece, it wasn't just to the audience that all of the other actors were around them and could react to what they were reading. And it was it just worked out to be very powerful. I don't like straight readings. You know that about me. I don't like to go to a reading where everybody's sitting in a chair and they've got a script on a music stand and I'm bored already. <laughs> you know, I just, it doesn't, you, it's just as easy to have a script in your hand and move. Yeah. I just, because you can't see whether the actors are engaging, whether they have chemistry. I, it just doesn't appeal to me. So our readings are always a little bit more than you'd expect. And tell us the date of your She Speaks and um, perhaps the web address of Flushing so that we can... Um... Well, if I can figure out how to get back into the website and update it, so you're better off to look for She Speaks on Facebook. Um, and the two events are listed as She Speaks hashtag one, She Speaks hashtag two, and all the information is there. The dates are Saturday, March the 7th, and Sunday, March the 8th. Thanks to Patty Gillard-Bentley, one of our Canadian members. Thanks for listening in to this podcast. We hope there'll be more coming soon. Good night.